0: The body is very much like a tree, and the digestive tract is like the roots of a tree. If you don't have a well-functioning, healthy digestive tract, the branches and the leaves of the tree won't thrive, and in order for the roots to be healthy, the soil around that tree needs to be healthy, and the soil is like our microbiome. So our microbiome is our good bacteria. And we need enough good bacteria in our intestines for the rest of the body to thrive. So my practice is really focused on building the good bacteria in the gut and helping to diminish the bad bacteria. And I do that through uh, focusing on nourishing the body through prebiotic foods, which are the the sort of those carbohydrates and resistant starches that feed the good bacteria, the residential bacteria, and through probiotic foods. So that includes things like sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, kefir, uh, basically fermented foods to help re-inoculate the gut and help uh, provide transient bacteria which help the resident bacteria while they're in there. Hi, I'm Corey Rabby. I'm from Radical Health. My website is www.radicalhealth.ca and these are for the reflections.
1: Welcome to Episode 9 of Further Reflections. I'm your host, Mark A. This episode is being released on March 4th, 2018, and will feature a conversation with Corey Rabbi of Radical Health. I've known Corey for a number of years now. I believe I first met her maybe around 2010 when she was hosting events with her then-partner for the PQL Discussion Group in Ottawa. And then she became involved... Uh, with the group uh, Transition Ottawa later that year, I believe. But it wasn't until I joined the group uh, Permaculture Ottawa that I got to know her uh, better, and that was around 2012 or so. Corey has been involved in animal welfare for a number of years, and she'll talk about that. But uh, recently, just last year, late last year, she started her own business, which is Radical Health. And you can learn more about that at RadicalHealth.ca. And to set up her business, which is talking about uh, taking charge of your own health, and she focuses a lot on the, the gut and uh, its effect on, on uh, overall health, uh, I'll read from her website, uh, RadicalHealth.ca, in the About section. So she says, Hi, I'm Cory. Welcome to Radical Health, I'm so glad you're here. I'm Corey. I'm a food junkie, travel addict, nature loving, science nerd with a passion for helping people transform their lives and bodies. I blend my knowledge of hard science, natural systems and real life experiences to create programs that empower you to take control of your own health and have you feeling vibrant and radiant. I am a certified nutritional practitioner who graduated from the Institute of Holistic Nutrition. I also hold a certificate in the Science and Art of Herbalism from Sage Mountain Herbal Center. I am a fermented food expert who has studied with fermentation guru Sandor Katz. I have taken several advanced courses in digestion, herbalism, and hormonal health. I have been a featured speaker at the Ontario Fermentation Festival. The PN Master Gardeners AGM, Ottawa Public Libraries, at the Agri 150 Walk on the Wild Side, presented by the City of Ottawa, and more. So, in this interview, is going to talk about her a little bit about holistic nutrition, fermented foods, hormones, digestive health, animal welfare, the transition movement. And the gut microbiome related to the overall planet. And this is something she really wanted to talk about. And towards the end of the interview, she goes into detail about what that is exactly. It's uh, quite detailed, but uh, it's interesting nonetheless. Corey wanted me to mention that she currently has a gut rebuilding program that she's initiating on her website, Radical Health. Again, that's radicalhealth.ca. I won't read too much about it here. But it's running, from, it's running from March 27th to June 5th of 2018. And uh, if you're visiting the website uh, before that time, you can see more about it right on the main page. Again, that's Radical Health. Also, keep looking at her blog section. She was going to write a blog, uh, which may be up by the time this podcast is up, about the microbiome and its relation to the planet so uh, yeah keep checking the the website for that the podcast will be taking a short break it'll there'll be no podcast again until the first of april of this year 2018 the reason is because i'm going to be out of the country which if you've listened to multiple episodes you know i live in ottawa canada but I'm going to be visiting relatives in Europe and I won't have regular access to the internet so there will be no episode on the 18th of March. Instead the next episode should be up on the 1st of April. I haven't recorded this just yet but uh, the guest should be Brian Tohana. Brian is a kind of life coach who's written a book called The power of permission which should be published later this year he's got a lot of wealth of information that he's going to talk about and he's quite involved in his local community here in ottawa so i'm looking forward to recording that soon i also have ideas to maybe uh, do a podcast soon on some of my travel experiences i'd like to do one on my experiences in china For those who don't know, I lived in China for three years, from the period 2004 to 2008. And I lived in three different provinces. And I was teaching English uh, at one kind of vocational high school, but uh, mostly at uh, universities over there. So I've seen quite a lot of the country, maybe more than half the provinces. So it might be a good experience to just reflect on that uh, ten years later after the fact. If you like this episode with Corey Rabbi, it kind of reminded me of an interview I did years ago, back in 2011, with Stacy Haley. Stacy had a business called uh, Foodkin at the time, which no longer exists as far as I know, but she talked a lot about nutrition and children's health especially, and it's one of those memorable interviews that uh, I remember even years after, and it was featured in a clip show of uh, my previous podcast Reflections On because that's how memorable it was and Stacy appeared in episode 4 of Reflections On which you can find more about at furtherreflections.net and then click on Reflections On the entire uh, archive is up on the internet archive and it's linked there for your convenience there's lots of other relevant interviews there too uh, probably the interview I'm most uh, proud of, maybe, or the most memorable was with Henry Beisel. Henry is a poet and philosopher and many other things, who grew up in Germany, in, in Nazi Germany, and then eventually ended up in Canada. But he's uh, right now, he's pushing 90 years old, but when I interviewed him, he was around 82 or 83. And... Um, He brings a wealth of information to uh, everything he talks about. So that interview with Henry Bysol is also under uh, the banner of Reflections On. And for now, I invite you to sit back and listen to my interview with Corey Rabbi of the website Radical Health. And we'll catch you next time. So we're joined on the podcast today by Corey Rabbi. Welcome to the podcast, Corey.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So there's lots of things we could talk about, including your business, uh, Radical Health. But why don't you just give the uh, the brief overview of who you are and what you do, and then we can delve into more detail a bit later.
0: Haha, that sounds great. All right. Well, I am a certified holistic nutritionist and an herbalist. I studied at the Institute of Holistic Nutrition, and uh, I've always been really interested in food and nutrition since I was very young. And I finally, you know, after years of working for nonprofit organizations in animal welfare and conservation, which was really awesome, I decided to go back to school and study um, something I'm really passionate about. I guess I realized early on how big of an impact food and uh, just eating well and living well could have on the human body and how well it can make you feel. And really, it's I believe that, you know, we're in a huge health crisis right now, and a lot of it is just related to how people eat, and I was really driven to help people move beyond uh, ill health through eating well and and uh, living a better lifestyle.
1: Yeah, and you've posted a bit about your personal experience on your website. Say more about, you kind of, you were a junk food addict, right, and things like that.
0: Yeah well I was raised on a standard North American diet for sure you know I, I ate garbage food like I grew up in the 80s and there was a lot of fast food like microwave food was really popular so I had a lot of TV dinners like little pizza pockets you know really nasty things like that and I was pretty chubby as a child like I I was kind of fat I used to get teased and I was also really sick like I had, tonsillitis all the time strep throat I had my my tonsils were removed when I was 16 I had bronchitis I had pneumonia and then I think you know just you know when I was turning about 20 or so I was I microwaved this plate of chicken wings and I was eating it and I just sort of had this sudden realization that I was just putting all this garbage into my body and just around the same time, just after that, I came across a book called Food is a Wonder Medicine by Dr. Neil Bernard. And I started reading it. And I didn't realize at the time, but it was actually a book uh, basically about eating a vegan diet. I just thought it was about eating healthy. And in the book, he mentions that it takes about six weeks to change a habit. So And he gave like a meal plan and recipes and things like that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this for six weeks. And then I could always go back to eating the way I used to eat. So anyway, in those six weeks, you know, it, it really transformed me. It actually changed my entire life. So at first, I was eating this diet and I actually got really sick and I couldn't figure out why. Like I, I had uh, rashes, I had psoriasis. It's the only time I've ever had psoriasis in my life, but it does run in the family. I had headaches, you know, and now I realized that what was happening is that my body was detoxing from years of eating crap food. And so um, you know, that that, that took about, two or three weeks and then after those three weeks I started feeling amazing. I started feeling incredible, I started losing weight, Um, I stopped getting acne, I just started feeling really, really good and so this little six weeks experiment turned into basically the rest of my life of eating healthy. You know, and what's really interesting, too, I was so sick before, but ever since I changed my diet, I haven't had an antibiotic. So I haven't had an antibiotic in 19 years, which considering I would have like two or three rounds every year is phenomenal. And all that was just because of food and changing my diet.
1: And I guess there's this idea that the medical system, we want to call it Western medicine, is kind of failing people, right? in some way?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I grew up in a family with lots of unhealthy eaters. And I I watched um, family members, including my dad, uh, just go to the doctor over and over again for a variety of health issues, getting pills, getting treatments, and they're all just Band-Aid effects. They're not addressing the root cause of the issue. So, you know, our modern medical system has a very important role. It's really good in emergency medicine. It's really good for things like a broken arm. But when addressing underlying health issues, doctors don't do that. They just give these Band-Aids, these pills, to raise one level of one thing and lower a, a, a level of another thing, and they don't really get to the root cause of the issue. And you can get through the root cause through looking at diet, exercise, and lifestyle. So I studied at the Institute of Holistic Nutrition. And I, um, from there, I got a degree as a certified nutritional practitioner. So basically, I am a holistic nutritionist. And the difference between a holistic nutritionist and a dietitian is a dietitian has to follow the Canadian food guide whereas I can not follow the Canadian Food Guide. And with, a, with dietitians, they're sort of a one-size-fits-all. So they follow the Canadian Food Guide, they make recommendations based on that, and they don't look at a person's bio-individuality. So everyone's a bit different in how they react to the food they eat. So some people, for instance, can do fine eating wheat, eating gluten, and other people have a lot of problems digesting that. Uh, some people thrive more on a high-fat diet, like a ketogenic diet, while others, it, it doesn't work for them. So that's sort of what I do. I can look at someone's bioindividuality, how they react to certain foods, their unique body composition, and make suggestions based on that. So that's what my training is, was in at the Institute of Holistic Nutrition. And then I also studied herbalism through the Sage Mountain Herbal Retreat Center, which was run by Rosemary Gladstar at the time. And I did their home study course, which is takes about two years to do, and it's very much pra- practically based. So you do a lot of making of things and trying different things. It's very hands-on. And so I've been studying herbalism for, I did my, I guess, formal herbalism training through that, but I've also been studying herbalism on my own for, I don't know, almost 10 years now, I'd say, and just making a lot of home remedies and using herbs in my life and using herbs on my family and friends. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing to get into. Yeah, my business is called Radical Health, and it is uh, my basically my nutrition and herbalism practice rolled into one. So I do a variety of things. I see clients one-on-one. I run online programs, and soon I will be running a group program. And I also host these fermented food workshops. So I have a bit of an expertise in fermented foods. Uh, last spring, I was actually really fortunate to go down to Tennessee and study with Sandor Katz, who's sort of the world fermented foods expert. And so that was really phenomenal. Um, and my business, Radical Health, I, I look at all health issues, but I'm really focused on gut health. The reason why I'm focused on gut health is because the gut, the gut. So when I say gut, I mean your digestive tract. It's it forms the basis of all your health. So I look at the gut sort of like the roots of a tree. If the roots of the tree are not healthy, the rest of the body will not thrive. So if you look at ancient medical systems like traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, they were always focused on fixing the digestive tract, fixing getting the gut health in order first. And with that, everything else sort of falls in place. So that's why I decided to concentrate on that. And with that, I've been looking a lot at the microbiome. So when I say microbiome, I mean your good gut bacteria or the balance of good and bad bacteria in your gut and the role that plays. So continuing this with this metaphor of the tree, if your digestive tract is like the roots of a tree, then the gut biome are like your microbiome are is like the soil that surrounds that tree. So in order to have a really healthy, well-functioning gut, so healthy, well-functioning roots, you need a healthy functioning microbiome. And so through my programs, I focus on getting people to introduce more of those foods into their diet to help nourish the microbiome and grow the microbiome. And then I also look at different herbs that help reduce the amount of bad bacteria in the the gut. And then I will look at lifestyle practices, things like stress management, proper sleep, exercise, to improve gut motility and signaling to the gut, which just helps improve digestion overall. When someone has an issue digesting a certain food, it's actually sort of a symptom. It's a symptom that they don't have the right gut bacteria to digest that food. So for instance, I digest gluten just fine. I have no problem eating bread doesn't cause any inflammation for me, but for many other people it does. And that's because they don't have the microbes to digest the gluten. But what's interesting is I have trouble digesting brown rice of all things. And so what that means is I just don't have the right gut flora for brown rice. So it's really important when people are doing an elimination diet that they, they take these things out, but they reintroduce them and see how their body reacts to these foods without any preconceptions of how it's gonna react, right? So to do a real experiment and to be objective about it, it's actually bad to sort of just take out a food because you heard it, it causes inflammation or gut problems, which a lot of people are doing with grains right now. A lot of people are taking out grains from the diet because they think for some reason we're not supposed to be eating grains or they cause inflammation. But I really encourage people to just be objective about it and experiment and realize that everyone's a bit different and we're all gonna react a bit differently. Do you have
1: anything to say about hormones? I know you mentioned that on your side.
0: Yeah, so I mentioned earlier that your digestive health underlies every other function in your body, right? It's like roots of a tree and that includes hormones. So for instance, if you have too much bad bacteria they're going to release toxins in the body and that will cause an increase in cortisol and cortisol is your stress hormone then that cortisol negatively impacts other parts of the body like the thyroid and that can impact your thyroid hormones and we need the proper amount of thyroid hormones to do things like metabolize properly and heat the body so um yeah, I, again, just the gut health underlies everything. That's just one example of how it influences hormones. But it's just important to note that you have to treat the gut in order to deal with uh, hormonal imbalances in the body. Yeah, well, maybe I could tell you about the programs I'm going to be offering. So. Uh, yeah, I just did the free five-day gut reset, but I'll be offering a in-person, in Ottawa, Ottawa area only, 10-week program, and that's going to go through all the stages of gut repair. So the free five-day program was about the elimination uh, of inflammatory foods, but there's three other parts to really repairing the gut. And I will walk people through that process from literally head to toe. We start at the head and we go down to, I want to say the toe, but really it's just the rectum. (laughs) Um, But we will go through that through the 10 weeks and people will uh, get bite-sized pieces and time to really work on not only healing the gut but re-inoculating it so it can be healthy and thriving in the long term and they can eat the foods that maybe they can't eat right now and in addition I'm going to be doing a six week online program that's sort of similar to the 10-week program but sped up a bit and that will be for the online community
1: let's talk let's talk a bit about uh animal welfare and your involvement with the what's the name of the uh Company you used to work for, or the organization you.
0: Yeah, for? I, I used to work for a nonprofit called the International Fund for Animal Welfare. I worked there for about ten years. I always had a deep love and connection with animals ever since childhood, and I went to university for environmental studies. I did a four-year degree there. And I applied for a job at IFA, the International Fund for Animal Welfare, before I graduated and got a full-time position there and spent about 10 years there. Tell us
1: about some of that experience, if you don't mind.
0: Well, I mean, the work I was doing was mainly office work. It was mainly administration, um, finance, and uh, sort of customer or supporter relations, donor relations. I also worked a little bit in programs promoting IFA's Animal Action Education Campaign, where we provided educational materials for teachers to use in schools that promoted uh, children basically connecting with animals and learning about animals. So that was really cool. I also had the good fortune of traveling way up north to help with uh, IFAS spay and neuter clinics in various communities up there, isolated communities where they don't have much access to vet care. So I got to help vets doing things like surgeries, uh, spay and neuter surgeries on dogs and doing intakes and things like that. So I was lucky in that I got to help with an amazing project, but I also got to go way up in the boreal forest and see the boreal, which was really, really cool because I have never saw that eco- ecosystem before and I don't know that I would go up there in any other circumstance because I really don't like the cold. <laughs> so it was a neat way to, to get up there and see that ecosystem.
1: Is there anything you think people should know about animal welfare or animal rights or anything you want to say about it?
0: For me, I've always had this deep connection to animals and a passion for animals, and because of that, you know, when I made the change in my diet, I initially went vegan, um, and that was because of this book. I didn't even realize I was going vegan totally, but it did take all meat out, and it made me become really aware of where meat comes from. Because people were like, oh, you're not eating meat. Why aren't you eating meat? And I was like, oh, because this book, blah, blah, blah. But then other people, people started to raise the issue of animal rights and animal welfare. And I started learning about factory farming and all the horrors related to that. I had always sort of felt a little weird about eating meat because... I my grandparents had a farm and I knew cows and I knew chickens and I knew that, that their personalities were dynamic, that they were intelligent and just beautiful creatures. So I always kind of had felt a little guilty. And then when I learned about factory farming, that's when I decided like, okay, so this diet I've been doing is vegan. It's actually not that hard. I'm gonna stick with it. And so I stuck with it for 20 years. You know, to this day, like I always promote that people if they're going to eat meat because I do believe that for some people's body type, they do need the additional protein and iron and minerals that come with meat, that they they look for really good sources of it. And we're lucky in the Ottawa area to have some really great local farms that promote sustainable, local, uh, more compassionate meat. And so I really encourage people to choose those sources. And, at, and, and in doing that, it not only promotes like more humane meat, but it also promotes a, a better local food system and more resiliency in that sense. So it's healthy in that way, but it's also healthier for the body because we know that factory-farm meat is laden with all sorts of hormones and grossness. And also, something people don't think about is the stress the animal goes through before it dies. So the the cortisol levels in that animal are raised so high before it is slaughtered, and then we're eating that. And just from, um, I haven't done the research on how much cortisol is in the meat from factory farmed animals, but Energetically, in a sort of more spiritual sense, to be consuming something that died so stressfully, I, I just, it just doesn't feel right to me. And I don't think it's the healthiest thing. So, again, I just really promote people thinking about the food they're eating and where it comes from, particularly when it's an animal. Just as I've always been really well connected to animals, I've always had a deep, connection to the environment, just being outside, being around the plants, being around the trees, I always felt more peaceful, like more calmed down and more at ease when I was in those environments. And I always wanted to, because it provided me with that, I guess, I always wanted to protect them in some way. And I would see sort of environmental injustices going on, if you will. So seeing, I remember being really young and seeing just pictures of pollution and learning about recycling and just feeling like, yeah, of course, like it just seemed like common sense. Like, why would we destroy our environment? We're just hurting ourselves. And so this sort of always stuck with me and then when I was finishing high school I was really confused as to what to do with myself and one of my friends is like you should do environmental studies do an environmental studies degree and I looked at the courses and I'm like this is this is wonderful this is exactly what I want to do because it not only looked at the science of things. So I got to study things like soils and ecosystems and things like that. But it also looked at the ethical implications behind um, environmentalism, why we why we do it, the different worldviews and how to deal with people. So yeah, I went to Carleton and did my environmental studies degree. And then, as I mentioned, I started working before I even graduated for IFA, the International Fund for Animal Welfare, um, which is an animal welfare and conservation organization. So I was really fortunate to get a job in the field right away. And then all my sort of extracurricular activities started involving around promoting a more healthy and sustainable So at first, you know, when I was younger, I was really sort of angry about the injustices I saw in the world, uh, especially against the environment, the pollution, the climate change and governments not taking action, large corporations creating pollution. And, you know, I, I did what most young people do and wrote letters and went to protests and all those things are really great. But at some point, you just sort of burn out from that, and you get tired of being angry, and I really wanted to be part of the solution. And I, I also, at the same time, felt sort of powerless against these big systems, right? Because no matter how many protests you go to, and how many people are there, and how many letters you write, there's only so much change you can make. And I just decided that it was time to do something different and and do something more a little bit more positive. And so that's what attracted me to the transition movement because it's it looks at just building an alternative. And I like I like creating things and I like being involved in community and I just felt that the transition movement was a little bit more fluid and a little bit more community driven and just generally more positive. And so that's why I got involved in Transition Ottawa and started, um, you know, going to different, uh, seeing different speakers and speaking myself and just connecting with community members. And that's how I got involved in another of a number of other activities in the community that do promote a more healthy and resilient environment. So it's just been a really positive experience. I mean, I could talk about many sort of offshoots that came from my involvement in Transition Ottawa. But uh, yeah, that might, I might go down the rabbit hole with different things if I do that. So just to say that I do encourage people to get involved with the Transition community if there is one in your neighborhood, because you'll never know where it leads. And it's a lot, feels a lot better to be doing something positive than it does to be frustrated and feeling powerless. Yeah, so yeah, the transition Ottawa was kind of had a lot of momentum and then petered out. And, you know, for a while I thought, oh, it, it failed. It's kind of sad that it never really got going. And then a friend of mine pointed out I wasn't a failure at all. In fact, it was a huge success because what it did, even though Transition Ottawa sort of lost momentum and in a sense doesn't really exist anymore, it really brought people together and those people all went off and started working on their own projects or other projects. So, uh, you know, I I know, I don't want to name people in particular, but, you know, I know two people who met through it and started the Biodome at Brewer Park. I know people who met through it and are now running a farm and I myself with my my ex Ron uh, we started our own sustainable business doing beekeeping and promoting herbalism and fermented foods and so we were able to really still have an impact in the community and it was in a really real concrete way. And same for those other people who started other projects. So I I don't look at it as as, uh, something that sort of was really strong and then fizzled out. I just look at it as sort of something that brought people together, doing something really positive and then people went in different directions with it and those people are still going strong and building community and creating resiliency, which is what transition is all about. I'd like to talk about um, how nourishing the microcosm, so nourishing our gut microbiome, intersects with taking good care of our planet. Yeah, so I'd like to talk a little bit about how learning about our gut microbiome, so our microcosm, can really change our perspective on how we relate to the world around us. So we really look at ourselves very much as individuals. We have sort of a discrete physical body. It's our marker of separateness from others and the rest of nature. You know, Orson Welles says, "We, we are born alone, we live alone, we die alone. But this premise is entirely wrong because... Although we are human, we have lots of companies. So we are actually covered in trillions of microorganisms and they outnumber our cells by 10 to one. So we're literally covered in microorganisms from head to toe, inside and out, and we even emit a microbial cloud around us. So not only are we covered in bacteria, but there's also literally like a cloud of bacteria around us. So our bacteria are constantly interacting with our environment, and I find this really fascinating. And so I started to look at this sort of interaction And I I sort of came to realize that the health of our microbiome, so the bacteria in and around us, which nourish our body and perform so many functions, are really directly impacted by our environment. And so in order to have a healthy microbiome, so a healthy microcosm, we need to have a healthy environment, so a healthy macrocosm. So I started looking at sort of three different aspects of this. And the first thing I, I did some research into was uh, the air we breathe, right? So we're constantly interacting with our environment. And one of the primary ways we do this is for, for through breathing. I mean, we're, we're breathing all the time. We have to. <laughs> and so I did a little bit, bit of research. And we typically, when we breathe in, we actually breathing in about 10,000 to 1 million bacteria, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of research um, into how air pollution affects our microbiome, but there is some. And it's really fascinating that um, there was one study done at the University of Milan, and they found that... The higher the density of air pollutants in the air, the lower the concentration of good bacteria in our lungs. And so we had a higher concentration. So when there's a lot of air pollution, we have more bad bacteria in our lungs. And what happens is that basically like if we get an infection, so if the bacteria that causes, say, bronchitis gets into our lungs, if we don't have enough good bacteria in our lungs, it's that bad bacteria can take over a lot more quickly. So in other words, like if there's a lot of air pollution, it deteriorates our ability to to fight infection because it's affecting our bacteria in our lungs. So having clean, healthy air is really important just to stay healthy in our body. You know, and then similarly to soil bacteria, you know, the soil microbiome has sort of been studied a bit more than, than air, the air microbiome. But, um, you know, we've known for a long time that that soil has a symbiotic relationship with plants and that protects those plants from disease. Right. So in order to have healthy food, we need to take care of our soil. Right? We need to cultivate we need to cultivate the good bacteria in the soil to have healthy food for us to eat. So that's another way it sort of directly impacts our health. But then there is also um, there's a paper published in two thousand and four where this researcher was looking at lung cancer patients. And she injected them with a bacteria to see if this bacteria, I think it's called Mycobacterium vaxae, if it could prolong their life. And what she found, it it, it didn't prolong their life, but what it did do, it significantly improved their mental health. So this bacteria they found was activated some neurons that are responsible for producing serotonin, right? So again, having, and this bacteria is found in the soil all around us, so having, healthy soil, interacting with the soil, doing things like gardening is important for serotonin production, so for our mental health. And then sort of the biggest way I sort of see how caring for a healthy, diverse ecosystem impacts our microbiome, impacts our individual health is through the food we eat. So, you know, just if you look at an ecosystem an ecosystem is most healthy when it's diverse. It has diverse inputs, there's a diversity of species, there's a diversity of interactions, and our gut flora, our microbiome, are similar to that. So people who are the healthiest have the most diverse microbiome. And what's really interesting is our microbiome, so our good gut bacteria, in order to thrive, they need something called prebiotics. So we've heard a lot in the media about probiotics. Probiotics are the good bacteria. They're the ones that live in our gut. But prebiotics is sort of where the new research is going. And what prebiotics are is they're types of carbohydrates that feed the good bacteria in our gut. And so our gut bacteria want a diversity of prebiotics. They want a diversity of fibers. They want a diversity of phytonutrients. And that's what helps them thrive and helps them grow their diversity. So in order to do that, what we need is a diverse and healthy food system. So we need a diversity of crops available. We need a diversity of species and subspecies. The more diversity we can introduce into the body, the more diverse and healthy our microbiome will be. So in that sense, it really supports this idea of nourishing a diverse microbiome in the gut. In order to do that, you need to have a diverse, healthy food system. So I found that really fascinating as well, that that there's this intersection between these two things that, you know, the the macrocosm, so a diverse food system is essential for a diverse microcosm. So really helping, helping grow our local food system, promoting our local food system, in doing that you're really helping yourself, you're literally helping your own body, and of course eating these foods, you have to eat them in order for them to work. So I really promote in my practice eating a diversity of food, especially local food. And sometimes what that might mean, it's not like eating like 20 different fruits a day. It's more like eating maybe three different types of potatoes a week or a couple different types of apples or maybe different types of lettuces because they all contain different prebiotics to nourish the probiotics in our gut. So when we recognize the role of the bacteria in the human body and see how it's directly connected to the air we breathe, the soil we live on, and the food we eat, I think we begin to see just how interdependent we are on the environment around us.
1: I ask a generic question at the end to everybody, and that's to talk, we talk about the cinema, so the question is just one or two movies that have influenced you or that you like especially, or you want to talk about? You don't have to do be for very long, but I like to ask that question. So.
0: Oh my goodness, what a question. <laughs> I saw this movie recently. It's called The Midwife. It's a French movie. And uh, I saw it on Air Canada. Like I usually don't like flying Air Canada, but its saving grace is that it has... Franco cinema. And so the Franco cinema, like as soon as I get on the airplane, I put it on and I'm just like, I'm just watching as many movies as I can because they're always really great. So yeah, this movie, um, I think it came out in 2017. And it's a drama about between a, a friendship between this woman who's a midwife and the and her estranged stepmother. And um, the stepmother is sort of one of these women, she gambles, she smokes, she just eats bad food where this midwife lives her life really strictly. And they sort of come together because the stepmother, her health is failing and this is, and, and the midwife is sort of the only person she sort of can rely on to help take care of her as she, she grows sick. And um, it's just about how they interact and the stepmother helps helps the midwife sort of live life a little bit more and just have more joie de vivre and, and just like get out there and enjoy her life more. And it was just, it was one of the best movies I've ever seen. It was fabulous. So I really enjoyed that one. Another movie that's had a big impact? Mm, I'm not sure, but one of my favorite directors is Stanley Kubrick <laughs> and I know his movies are a little bit odd so I, I sort of grew up watching his movies but I appreciate his movies more through I guess an artistic perspective and the long slow shots the moments of silence I just think it's it's so impactful and really gets you thinking about a number of issues so I guess one of the ones that stands out to me maybe is Full Metal, Metal Jacket, and um, which looks at uh, the military and soldiers and the impact of war and how that impacts psychology. And I, um, yeah, I guess maybe those his movies impacted me because I saw them early on, like I saw them as a, a teenager, and it just got me thinking. Um, at a deeper level so
1: before we wrap up i'll give you a chance to say any final words or promote your website or whatever
0: i'm happy to help guide you through your healing process together we look at your goals where you want to get to and how to get there and i support you every step of the way Yeah. You can visit me at www.radicalhealth.ca for more information. Feel free to drop me a line if you have any questions at all at Corey at radicalhealth.ca. Well, uh, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing the final product. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, that does it for another episode. Just a reminder, the website for this podcast is furtherreflections.net. There you can find the episode archive. You can find more about myself. You can support the podcast. And you can see the archive of my previous podcast, Reflections On. Thanks for listening.